Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. And after I read it, I want to invite you to respond in affirming that this is God's word for us today. I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. Hear now God's word for us from Luke chapter 2. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. And the shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And everything happened just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So yes, that story may sound a little out of place for you in July. Maybe if you've been around the church any, you're accustomed to hearing it at Christmas time during Advent or Christmas Eve. And that's because, as we said last week, we're going to take a few weeks and pay particular attention to the biblical character Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because there's a lot for us to gain and to learn from her life and her faith and how she experienced the arrival of the Christ into the world. And I said last week we thought about calling this series of sermons, There's Something About Mary. We opted not to. We, we considered Christmas in July, because that's actually what the kids' ministry is using, uh, but we didn't go with that either. But, um, but nonetheless, if, if you want to recall Linus from Peanuts, on the stage reciting the story, whatever just helps make meaning for you out of this scripture. But, but there is something here for us about this particular moment in Mary's life when Jesus is born. How she experiences that miraculous moment when Christ arrives into her life and into the world. There's something there for us if we'll be open to receive it. And it's not quite coincidental that we are reading this passage about the birth of the Christ on the same day that we baptized Palmer. If if anybody in here has has ever experienced that, uh, given birth to a child, or, or parented a child or, or been close or nearby when that happened or in the, the birthing or raising of children. You know what a life-changing experience that can be. And the story tells us that, that Mary paid close attention to all that was happening and all that she was being told and she committed it to memory some translations say she treasured these things in her heart and if you've ever been around the birth of a child that that I suspect resonates with you 
And, and of course, for Mary, in this particular passage, obviously, the shepherds have just arrived from the field and told her what they had seen in the sky, the angels that had appeared to them, and what had been told to them about Mary's baby and where and how they would find the Savior being born. And so she had just heard that report from the shepherds. And so we think, well, she treasured all that up in her heart and, and pondered it and, and thought about it and considered it. And, and of course, that, that would have been incredible on its own to hear that kind of news coming from somebody else about your child that had just been born. But, but don't forget, as Mary treasured that up in her heart, you know she had with it the thoughts of her own visit from the angel, Gabriel. That was the subject of the message last Sunday. And then don't forget, she had also had a conversation with her cousin Elizabeth, who along with her husband Zachariah had been visited by the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel told them about their son John and the role that he would play in the arrival and the preparation for the arrival of the Christ. And don't forget Mary's husband, Joseph, who himself had been visited by an angel and told about what was about to happen for his bride-to-be. And then we keep reading, and, and it says that eight days later, when they took Jesus for his circumcision, the, that Simon and Anna both shared with Mary and Joseph what they had been told about the arrival of Christ. And then you start to put this picture together of all of these stories and experiences that Mary had or was told about that were beginning to shape for her a vision for who the Christ would be, for who her child would be, for the impact of the arrival of this person into her life and into the world. I think Sarah and Kevin are probably tending to Palmer and their kids, which is what we do as parents. But if Sarah was sitting here, I'd say to her, has anybody been talking to you about the birth of your child? <laughs> Have you heard from any family members, friends, their opinions, suggestions, ideas? Maybe even their hopes and dreams for your child. How your child will be a blessing for the world, for your family. Again, for anybody who's had that experience, maybe you heard similar things from people as you were preparing to bring a child into the world. Maybe you shared those things with people as they prepared to bring a child into the world. And so what we see in Mary is this individual who is starting to put all of this together in her own heart, in this moment, when she's, her life is being changed by the arrival of Christ Jesus. The world is being changed by the arrival of Christ Jesus. And she's starting to put all these pieces together to ponder them, to consider them, to hold them closely in her heart, to treasure them up, to try to make sense of it. To put all these pieces together. Uh, Kristen, who I've been dating for a little while, I've made mention of her a couple of times. She and I have gotten into putting puzzles together during the 
pandemic. I don't know if there's any puzzle putter-togethers. I don't, I don't know the technical term yet. I'm, a, I'm still a rookie at this, but I don't know if you like to put puzzles together, but we've been, we've been putting several puzzles together. and it, It's fun. I mean, it's a bit of a challenge, right, to take all those pieces and to, to find their fit and their place in it, to, to make the picture that it's supposed to make. And, and they, they, they just start out in this box, right? I mean, some upside down, some right side up, all different shapes and all different colors and patterns. And then you, you try to kind of figure out where do they fit. And okay, here's some colors that are similar and they go in this area. And here's, here's a bridge over here. And so maybe all the bridge pieces would go over here. And well, but this color's over there too. I just picture Mary hearing all these stories about her and about her child and, and from angels and from relatives and, and she's her, from Joseph, and she's trying to figure out how all this fits together. And, and sometimes, like for Kristen and I, we pick out the puzzle, right? I mean, we go and we shop or we go online to Amazon, and we're looking for one that looks interesting to us. We did one of donuts that was really cool and, you know, sprinkles. I like donuts. And... Uh, and sometimes that's true in life, right? I mean, we get to put our own puzzle together. We get to sort of set up the scenario or, or pick the pieces and, and the picture that we want to see unfold. And sometimes, like the one we're doing right now, it's a gift that's given to you. Somebody else picked out the puzzle. Kristen's oldest daughter, Ruthie Jean, picked out the puzzle we're working on right now. And we're down to two sections, and one is sky and one is water. And I, there's about 50 to 100 pieces left, and I promise you every one of them is the same exact color. You should see the table where we do the... It's just these two holes in the puzzle and all these pieces and every one of them is the same color. And I sit down at it for about 10 or 15 minutes and I'm like, there's got to be something on Netflix that we can go... I mean, sometimes the puzzle gets handed to you or the pieces get handed to you. As Mary got handed the pieces of this puzzle, of what it would look like for the Savior to arrive in her life and in the world... And sometimes it all makes sense and we can put it all together pretty easily. And sometimes it's a challenge to really grasp the depth of it, the gravity of it, the significance of it for our lives and for our world. And, and Mary was doing the best she could to, to put all that together and treasure it up. And don't you know that served her well? For the rest of her life, being the mother of Jesus. Don't you know it served her well to have these memories, to hold on to this understanding of just what was happening when they lost him, <laughs> couldn't figure out where he was. After they'd been in Jerusalem and they went back to the temple and found him in the temple and he looked at his mother and he goes, well, of course I was here. Where'd you think I'd be? I, I added the attitude. Surely he didn't say it like that, but... If you've got children, you can imagine. Or that time later in his life and in his ministry when he was preaching and teaching and healing and, and Mary and his family came to see him and somebody stopped Jesus and said, hey, your family's out there. Your mother, your brothers. And, and Jesus said, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? These are my mother and brothers who hear and do the will of God. Don't you know these memories served Mary well as she watched her son preach and teach things that in many ways were perceived to be directly in opposition 
to the religious standard of the day, to the political standard of the day. As she watched Jesus tell people that God's love was for everyone. And him to be persecuted for it. Don't you know it served her well when she watched her son go to the cross for it? Watched her son die for it. Don't you know these memories served her well? Oh, we understand then why she committed them to memory and treasured them in her heart. These experiences and teachings about who Jesus was and who Jesus would be. And she carried with him her, her whole life. And so do we. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about the offertory. I don't know if you could follow it, it was in Latin, but that was done on purpose. Because it tells a story. It tells this story. You, today, our, our worship has been classical European or European classical music. Last Sunday, it was jazz and blues. <laughs> the Sunday before that, it was southern gospel. Next week, it'll be bluegrass. I hope you'll be back for that. But, but this European classical music, we're talking about like Mozart and Beethoven, Bach, Chopin. This music is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. Did you know that even like um, musical notation that we use today, that was, that was originally put into place by Christians to, to give their chanting and their singing some rhythm and order so they could, they could share these memories and, and recount them with each other of their faith and the faith of our history together. But this offertory, Ave Virum Corpus, the words in English were, Hail, true body, born of the Virgin Mary, who truly suffered sacrifice on the cross for man, whose pierced side overflowed with water and blood, be for us a foretaste, even in the test of death. And that arrangement was written by Mozart and composed in 1791, the year he died, also the year John Wesley died, by the way, for anybody who's keeping score for the Methodists, founder of the Methodist movement. But th that, that arrangement is almost 250 years old, telling the story of our faith. The, the words for it in the Latin have been traced back as far as the 13th century. So that... that story, that confession of the memory of who Jesus is in our world is over 800 years old. And we still tell it today. We still sing it today. And these were the memories that Mary began to treasure up in her heart. And I bet you have them too. Moments where you've heard or seen about the arrival of the Christ in your life, in our world, in the lives of people around you, maybe people in this room. I did a wedding yesterday and I got to hear separate stories from the groom and the groom's father. 
about the moment in their lives where they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior personally. One through the witness of a pastor and the leader of a ministry. The other through books that he read by a particular author and a particular phrase in one of those books that the Holy Spirit used to prick his heart and convince him of faith. And don't you know, recalling, recounting these memories of our faith serve us well in this life. And it's wonderful to remember them and share them and celebrate them at times like weddings or baptisms or communion or in Sunday school. And they also serve us well in times when death is imminent. Or when all may seem lost or turned upside down. Or when it's our turn, personally or corporately, to stand, to speak, to act on behalf of those who don't have a voice. Whom God loves and offers the gift of love and grace even when no one else will. For those to whom God has invited to his table. So we have our memories of the arrival of Christ into our lives. You have your memories. Maybe baptism is one of your memories. Your own or the baptism of someone you know and love. If you've not been baptized or if someone you love, your child has not been baptized, I would love the honor and privilege to be involved in that. Please contact me. Find me today when we're done and we'll talk about that. Maybe baptism is is a memory of the work of God in your life. Maybe communion, having this moment that we're going to have in just a minute to share in this meal that embodies God's love and grace, forgiveness and mercy is a memory for you. I'll bet you have your own. And so as you come forward today to receive communion, I want to invite you to bring those memories Bring those moments, those times where you've experienced the presence of God in your life, where you've experienced the love of God in your life. It's Jesus showing up in your own life. And as we each bring them to this table that we share together, what, what, a, what a beautiful tapestry we weave among us of the presence of Jesus in our lives and in our world. And we can thank God for the gift of Mary who shows us how to treasure these all and carry them with us. So I want to invite you to share in our communion liturgy with me as we prepare the meal. 
If you take a hymnal out of the pew now and turn to page 12, Pastor Stacy and I are going to lead us through this communion liturgy, prepare the meal, and then invite you forward.